most golfers would like to be able to play where the pros have played. Sadly, we're not going to get on the PGA Tour, not with our skill set. However, you can still play where your heroes have played if you put in a bit of time and effort. This podcast encourages you to follow in the footsteps of giants. Good evening and welcome back to another episode of In the Footsteps of Giants, a top 25 golf travel podcast, apparently currently ranked at number nine, as per Feedspot, who have listed the best golf travel podcasts from thousands of podcasts on the web, and they've ranked them by traffic, social media followers and freshness. To be honest, we must have scored highly on freshness <laughs> because most of the others seem to be linked to much bigger golfing names or broadcasters. And as all of our regular listeners know, we do this podcast because we love all things golf and enjoy sharing stories of our various golfing adventures. But our thanks to Feedspot for including us in the top 25 golf travel podcasts, and we hope to continue producing an enjoyable and fresh episode today. <laughs> Now, joining me in the studio is our resident low man and housewives, house husband's favourite, young Mike. And it's the middle of the 2023 season, Mike. So how's it all going? Uh, whenever I get a chance to actually play, it's it's, a, it's up and down type of thing and not in a good way. Yes, I'm still hovering in around uh, 3.8. So I haven't made any material um, adjustments now. I haven't been playing an awful lot uh, in competitive rounds and stuff. So hopefully till end of the season. You see, you have discovered what I discovered a number of years ago, that my progress in to becoming a better golfer ceased the minute I decided that children were a great option. Yeah. And the fact that you have less time to play and practice and various things go out the window. In fact, my handicap hasn't really moved downward in ooh, 25 years. Yeah. And sadly, because of some of the scores I'm achieving, the most it's not really moving upwards. It's just yeah. hovering around, making me look very average indeed. Yeah. yeah no, so uh, do you know what? I'm, I'm doing well to keep it where it is at the moment. Um, but hopefully with maybe work quieting down, hopefully a wee bit over the next couple of months, um, up until the start of the year, or sorry, start of September, and get a bit more golfing. I love your youthful enthusiasm, yeah. but as you and I both know, <laughs> it's never going to happen. <laughs> it's never really going to happen. We're going to arrive at the end of Mike's mission and you're going to be 0.2 lower than you were at the start. And you are a very good golfer. I have seen the Instagram feeds where you put up the good shots. And uh, But look, both Mike and I are recently returned from separate golfing experiences at Adair Manor, uh, which is just outside Limerick. And we're going to record a separate conversation about our experiences at Adair because it's worthy of a of a separate, or almost a full episode. Yeah. However, for those of you that don't know, Adair Manor will host the Ryder Cup in 2027. And I'm looking right now, Mike, for a single word that describes your experience or your view of Adair Manor. I can steal one of yours. Epic. Epic's good. Epic's good. I'm going with immaculate. Yes. 
There may be a reason I choose that word, but that'll be become apparent in a later episode. Now, we're recording today, and we're back in one of our favourite suites, one we've used before. We're back in the Langer suite, uh, as a tribute to the legend that is Bernard, who captured his 12th senior major on Sunday. And so we might as well start there. There's lots of places I could have started this conversation and dragged us in a certain direction, Mike, but we're starting with Bernard. He's 65 years old, and he's just won his 46th senior title, which also happened to be his 12th senior major. That's incredible. So that's at least 54 holes plus practice rounds, and I know how my 63-year-old body feels when I play that sort of golf, and he's doing it week in, week out. He's in incredible condition, isn't he, for his age? It's unbelievable. Now, Adam Shupak tweeted that he set a high bar in senior golf for Tiger to chase. And he wrote, believe me, Tiger will want to break Bernie's records. I don't know about you, but I'm not sure that Tiger will have the physical stamina required to even attempt to surpass Bernard's achievements. What do you reckon? The only thing is in Champions Tour, you are allowed to use a cart. Will Tiger do it for the Champions Tour? I, I can't see it. I, 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 I can't see it. And if he did break Bernard's records, but he was using a cart, what would people say? There'd be, he would be, even no matter what people would say, I think he would put an asterisk beside it as to say, I used a cart and Bernard didn't. Yeah, I do. I do <laughs> yeah. think that is the case. Yeah. Now, there's a very interesting sidebar to all of this. And the sidebar is that not everyone on Twitter or on the internet is a supporter for Bernard. I know where you're going with this. With quite a number of them complaining yeah. that in their view, his putting stroke is... Flat out illegal. Yeah. Now, is that sour grapes, or do they have a point? There's one uh, Twitter user I can't rem- I can't remember the name, uh, but they believe it's an undercover uh, PGA Tour player, or he's playing on the Champions Tour, who has taken exceptional uh, grievance against uh, Mr. Langer um, for what he is suggesting and alleging he is clearly anchoring his his putter. It's really hard to it's really hard to say. Um, I would just never think that Bernard Langer would be that type of individual. I just think they should ban that length of putter. Yeah, that's the only way you're going yeah. to get it to the point. We were away on golf tour uh, at the end of April, and mm-hmm. we were in Carolina. And one of my mates who went on to win the tour, he is the only person that uses long putter. And mm-hmm. on the very first day, he came up to me and he actually went through the whole routine. This is how I putt. This is all the rest of it. So you can see there's still a gap between top hand, chest, and all the rest of it. And then you watch him putt for the week and you go, eh. yeah. No, I, I, I'm not because he's a good mate and yeah. I'm, I'm not really and it makes very little difference at our level. Yeah. But you're just looking at it going, I know what you're saying. I know you think you're not anchoring it and yeah. all the rest of it. But, but do you ever remember what Ernie L said whenever Keegan Bradley was using like the belly putter and, and everything and, and then Ernie L started to use it? And one of the reporters sort of said, look, you know, you always said that you would, you, you've had putting woes and, and all this here sort of stuff, but you would never use that. And he says, as so long as other people are going to are going to continue to cheat, I'll do it until such times that they remove it. Yeah, it's it's very hard to know. And then there's the the various other putting styles. You get the the Webb Simpson putting style, the Matt Kuchar putting style, the up, up the forearm, know, up the forearm yeah. and holding it tight. Is that not anchoring? It feels I, like I, it to me. I I don't know. Yeah. I've never gone to a, a putter anything other than standard length. Yeah, and. You know, I I've, I can't be accused of that particular form of cheating. As yeah. we've discussed, we've all probably made mistakes along the way. But I just think it's interesting that if the powers that be 
are not clamping down on it and are saying it's within the regulations. And as far as I'm concerned, I'm prepared to believe it's within the regulations. Yeah. But it's amazing how many times, every time Bernard wins, this reappears. Yeah. So I don't know. I, I do have to admire how he's managed his health and fitness for so long. And even more impressive is his dedication and concentration to keep delivering results. Yeah. And remember, some of the guys he's playing against are 15 years younger, which isn't a big issue when you're 35 playing a 20-year-old. 20, 20 yeah. But it can be a big issue when you're a 65-year-old playing a 50-year-old because a lot of physical changes in those 15 years, I can assure you, Michael. <laughs> I don't like assuring you of any such thing, but sadly I have to start doing it these days. Now, the other good news from uh, last weekend is Ricky Fowler yeah. is back in the winner's enclosure after a pretty stunning finish in Detroit at the Rocket Mortgages Classic, where he birdied the last to get into a playoff against Colin Morikawa and Adam Hadwin and then went ahead and birdied the first playoff hole to seal his comeback victory. Did you see any of it? Uh, I saw... I know you were away celebrating a very special event with the the lovely Mrs. Mike. Yes. And, uh, you know, so I, I would hope that maybe you weren't watching the golf, no, but I, I, I caught maybe the... you were treating her to a nice dinner. I, I was indeed, but uh, it all it, 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 uh, it finished up pretty early. It finished up very early, which was really rather pleasant. Yeah, because I, I managed to, uh, to watch um, Ricky come down the, the last hole of the playoff. So you know, I didn't get to see all of it, but I got to see the most important part, um, yeah. which was Ricky getting it getting it win yeah well no he has not won since super bowl sunday in 2019 which he won in phoenix mm-hmm. uh, he was outside the top 150 for many months and in fact only 10 months ago he was ranked 185 in the, in the world he went back to butch Harmon, who has worked wonders now I, I like this from ewan murray of Sky Sports, who tweeted about Ricky's return to Butch, Mm -hmm. which was no gimmicks, no gadgets, no science, just a coach whose words come from a brain of a hugely experienced golfer stroke coach stroke person. Ricky was always a fine golfer. Butch returned him to his natural best and then went on to say he reckons he's a good bet for the Open, but as you know, we don't countenance betting or or forward picks that we ask any listener to put money on. But uh, you and Murray seemed to think that Ricky was a good bet. And where did he finish the last time the tournament was at Hoylake? Second, wasn't he? He was runner-up to Mr. McElroy. A lot of other things that he seems to be putting his success down to and the fact he's fought back a, a stable family life. His perspective since he became a dad, um, he's, he's much calmer than he maybe used to be. Um, the win has been coming. Yeah. You know, we, he couldn't get it over the line at the US Open, but he went, stated, you know, I wasn't afraid to fail. Yeah. And now he's got his rewards. So on Twitter, somebody asked this question. I'm going to put it to you. Uh-huh. The year is 2043. In other words, 20 years from now. Mm-hmm. How many majors does Ricky Fowler have? Now, we've covered this before in the yeah. question. The question now is, do we believe that Ricky will join the Majors Club? Do you know, Ricky feels to me quite similar to Fred Couples. You know, an, an abundance of talent and just maybe not get or, or extract the, the, the amount of Majors or, or tournament wins that he should relative to, to his talent. Like 20 years time, maybe one, maybe two. But I don't think it's going to be anything more than that. I was going to say 20 years is 80 majors. Yeah. And 20 years takes him to being about 52 years old. So, yeah. 
you're pretty much at the end of your potential for winning a major at that point. Yeah. I tend to agree with you. Yeah. I think it's one. I'd like it to be two. Yeah, same. But I, I think it's I think it's one. I think he will capture one. And or it might be better phrased that one might fall to him. Yeah. If he's just very steady at some point. Again, I don't know that he's got the flat out firepower no. to go win one unless he does what he did at the US Open, which is start with a spectacularly good yeah. round and for for some reason others just can't bridge the gap. To me, Ricky Fowler has always been a fabulous um you know win player and you know like purist in terms of, of you know ball striking and always always I've always seen him look to be sort of US Open or Open Championship. Uh, as a winner, never really round Augusta. I, 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 and do you know what? I don't know what the stats say um, as to how he's performed round Augusta, but I've never really remember him being sort of like there or thereabouts. Scottish Open, he won. Uh, Open Championship, he's been there or thereabouts. Uh, US Open, obviously, he's fresh in the memory, but um, yeah, I, th- I think one or two max. Do you know he could embarrass us in two weeks' time by knocking a first one off at Hoylake? I hope he does. I, I hope he does. Well, unless, unless, yes, unless, Ricky, we we don't mind you coming second again. Yeah. We, we we do have a a preference, yeah, but a repeat you know, on fourteen. Would yeah, be good. but but uh, anyway, okay. Has he booked his place to Marco Simone? Is he into the Ryder Cup team? <laughs> I, I think his form. Now we are going to drift into this a little bit. I have a couple yeah. of questions for you because there's a few things coming up out of this area at the moment. There's a lot of debate coming up, but Ricky winning. There was already a groundswell that said he's good enough. Yeah, to go the way he's playing. But now, now he's gone and won. I think, you know, as you say, he's, he's gone and he's won. There's been form there over the last couple of weeks. I think if, if I'm Zach Johnson, I want to see how he finishes out, you know, the, the major um, or the next couple of weeks to include uh, the Open Championship. And maybe maybe some of the, the first uh, the first uh, tournaments in the in the FedEx as well, just to see how his, his performance is. Is it steady? Is it consistent? Um, and that type of thing. That is very interesting you should say that because you know the way I'm a bit of an anorak, mm-hmm. Mike. Again, I don't know why that's ever surprised to anybody, uh, including listeners. His last nine starts, mm-hmm. he has one win, eight top 15s, and a scoring average of 68.8. Yeah. That's for nine tournaments. Yeah. So you tell me, because this will link into my next question. Mm-hmm. Keegan Bradley is also playing fairly well. Yeah. And has another win under his belt uh, a week earlier. Yeah. Has Keegan made it onto the team? I don't think so. I what? don't think so. Okay. Without stats in front of me, I don't I don't know. Okay. So this links into my the main bit of my question. Mm-hmm. And and listeners, we never tell Mike what I'm going to ask him. Because uh, there'd be no point. Because otherwise I wouldn't see his, his surprised expression. Justin Thomas... There's a lot of debate on Twitter as to whether Justin Thomas makes the team this year, and his mm-hmm. stats are nowhere near as good as either of Ricky's mm-hmm. or Keegan Bradley's. Yeah, his current form's pretty poor. Yeah, but his Ryder Cup record is good, and he's often likened to Ian Poulter regarding his effect on teammates and the dislike he can create from the opposition. Yeah. So, do you take Justin Thomas? And then I'm going to give you another stat. <laughs> the, I think in, in the in the back of my mind, and from what I can remember, he's he is nursing a bit of a uh, an injury. Now I know that he had a better week last week, 
Um, he's not on form. I, if if I'm captain, I don't I don't think JT's in in the squad at the moment. And I know how he's performed in other other Ryder Cups and stuff. But I would imagine if we went back and look at his his run up into that, he will have had the PGA win. He'll have had other tour wins. He just hasn't performed this year. Uh, on basis of, of performance to, to date and I'm Zach Johnson I don't think I would I would struggle to argue with you at this point yeah. I think he is definitely struggling to make it and a Twitter user a guy called Sean Fury uh, no idea who he is he posted Justin Thomas two time major winner one of the best golfers in the world just missed his third cut in four starts yeah Tiger's third missed cut came as a pro in 2005, <laughs> nine years after he turned pro. Wow. And Justin Thomas has just missed three out of four. That's like, that's a, that's a pretty standout start for, for JT. We know that Jordan Spieth will want him to go. Yeah. We will know that he's maybe a big plus in the team room. Mm-hmm. And the European team have certainly taken Poulter. I was going to say, bring him advice who hasn't yeah. been playing at a particularly high level, but is his Ryder Cup record. Although I, I don't think he'll be picked this year. Yeah. Um, so that leads us to another question. I've been, I've been doing a lot of thinking while you've been yeah. off celebrating with the lovely Mrs. Mike. Taylor Gooch oh, no. has just won his third live event of the season in Valderrama. Mm-hmm. And, would normally be considered as playing well enough to get a Ryder Cup call-up. And then I have the word, however. Yes. Alan Shipnuck, or friend of the show, Alan Shipnuck, as we we do like to say, he answered a Twitter query by saying, I think Gooch deserves strong Ryder Cup consideration. But unlike Kepka and DJ, he sued the PGA Tour and has been a shit-stirring troll, so that hurts his chances of getting the captain's pick. Yeah. And then a little LOL. Yeah. Okay. Dan Rappaport tweeted, Taylor Gooch has played the most unexpectedly crucial role in the whole live golf story. On the original list, he was the big surprise. Mm-hmm. He was in his prime. He was not rumoured to go. Claimed he didn't know he would be banned. Likes the Ryder Cup atmosphere mm-hmm. at live, which we all thought was a pile of garbage. Mm-hmm. Uh, he got himself involved in the US Open exemption saga, mm-hmm. but he has been winning. He's three wins this year, and no matter what we think of the live competition and live field, there are still some players there. Yeah. He's, he's won three times. Yeah. Tour Pro complained on Twitter that Taylor Gooch won his third live event of the year and is playing some of the best golf on the planet. I haven't seen one tweet from anybody in the media who congratulated him on his achievement. Even after the merger, the media still has no class. Mm-hmm. Now, if we assume that Brooks is going mm-hmm. and DJ might get a pick, mm-hmm. should Gooch be considered, especially since peace has broken out? Well, which may or may not be true, and we may well be coming on to that. It's con- but it's conditional. I'm giving you <laughs> options to to take you there. Is to you know Justin Thomas, you know Taylor Gooch would normally get some sort of recognition and some opportunity yeah. to to go play the Ryder Cup. Yeah, but and this is where I get to, and it's 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 kind of been been proven to be wrong in the sense of do you remember when we first started out in this uh, with Liv and, and we were like. You know, fifty-four holes is like running seventy um, 
75 meters in the 100 meter race. And then saying I was in the lead. Yes, and yeah, exactly. I will stop yeah, now. I will I will stop now and I have won. There is no point in me showing you that I could have won the last 25 meters. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And to and also within that you've got a limited field. Yes, there are some stellar players in there and Brooks and DJ and stuff, but Brooks and DJ have done it. You know, in 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 on PGA Tour, in majors, uh, two-time uh, major winner, five-time major winner, uh, have performed at Ryder Cups and stuff before. I think you kind of would have wanted to see a bit more from Taylor. Good, I can't remember how he finished in the in in the majors, but he would have kind of wanted to see a wee bit more. You know, he's still gone out and he's still he's still winning these events, and and they do have decent players there. I think you're I'm, struggling the same way I am. Yeah, which you're going is I don't think he's getting in. I no. don't think he's getting it's in. definitely like, part of the conversation, though. He has to be part yeah. of the conversation. He's more part of the conversation, in my opinion, right now than Bryson DeChambeau is. Oh, unquestionably, yeah. I think he's, he's definitely in the conversation. But I think you're right. I think what, what might rule him out is his behaviour towards the tour. It's, it's like he might be made to sit on the naughty step for a bit longer. Yeah, yeah until 2024 comes round. Plus... I have to say that, and this is probably, I do not know the man, I do not, I, I can't say this with anything other than, if you're a smart guy and you understand your business, uh, his surprise that he might be banned if he broke the rules and went and did something is a huge, you know, for me it's a knock on his intellectual capability, yeah. if you don't even understand, or if you're trusting your agent too much. They were, they were, they were told. Guys, uh, we do know, we do know, but I mean, there, there are listeners to our podcast that don't agree with yeah. everything we said. In fact, I met one recently. I was at a oh. uh, a corporate golf day, and uh, he got into quite a significant debate with me about live and he how he thought it was great, and he watches it on his app and all the rest of it. I said, "Would you like to come on the podcast and put your viewpoint?" He said, "With you, don't be ridiculous. You'd argue with me the whole day." And but but that's the point. He uh, see in all seriousness. Yeah, you and I have. And a very deep friend list that that extends in into golf. Not one of my friends or or people that I, that I've met in corporate golf days or playing with with friends of friends or whatever. Not one of them has mentioned to me or thought appropriate to mention to me that they've downloaded the app and they watch live. This is the only guy I've met. But yeah. to be fair, I, I met him last year and. Thoroughly decent chap. We get, we get on very well. Yeah. And he just started to argue with me about how oh, it was great. Shotgun start. Knew it was going to finish at a certain time. Watch it. Be done. Gone. Quality of golf's great. Scoreboard. Bit of atmosphere. And all the rest. And I'm going, what are you watching? Yeah. I'm going, <laughs> yeah. you're watching it on your phone. Or what, what are you watching it on? And uh, But he seemed to he seemed to rate it. Yeah. And uh, I say, I will put the invite out to him. I yeah. will put the invite out to him again because there's another good reason uh, to get him on the uh, podcast in that he is the man who developed the uh, BRS app on which we we oh. actually book a lot of our golf. Well, that's interesting. So he is a, that's what I thought. Yeah. I bet you Des won't find it as interesting. No. You know, we'll go in, this is all about statistics and algorithms and all the rest of it. And Des will go, eh. I had a quick look at the live leaderboard from Valderrama. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't show many others who are American and European who you would think would be in the Ryder Cup debate really throwing in anything that makes you really want to consider them yeah. or feel that in somehow one team has been weakened by their exclusion. I think we've mentioned realistically the only players because I don't believe there is a European player there that we would be going, this is going to be a big loss to our team. 
The the only one, and it's, this is just because of record and historical uh, record, is Sergio. But I don't think he's done enough in terms of of you know his performance even even on on live. I think the big thing for me over the last couple of weeks were um, the olive branch being extended to to Rory or or vice versa. I'm not entirely sure what way it came about, but they seem to have uh, mended their relationship and and parked their differences on everything that's that's sort of gone uh, gone before over the last year. So do, does that go ways to to paving a I'm going to give you my many years of experience yeah. on those things. When stuff comes between two close friends mm-hmm. and that there's a lot said mm-hmm. at that point in time, you can paper over the cracks, but the cracks still exist underneath. Yeah, And you're one tantrum away or one ill-chosen comment away from just igniting yeah. the whole thing again. I think there is an attempt at the moment to paper over some cracks and because of where, and we'll have a very brief discussion on this now, because of where golf thinks it might be going, mm-hmm. although I have a fairly fixed opinion on this now, and uh, Des criticised me recently for having opinions, and I was pointing out on the podcast, it's a podcast. That's what we get paid for. <laughs> I'd like to stress, <laughs> listeners, that we continue to do this for fun and because we enjoy it. Mike's Mike's sense of humour there just came to the fore. If we were part of the quote-unquote corrupt golf media and getting paid to do what we do, then it's then it, fantastic, but we're yeah. not. we do this for fun. Yes. Um, so looking at the state of play at the moment mm-hmm. in world golf, before we get on to the previewing of a couple of great tournaments that are coming up, where do you sit right now thinking that, is this a dumb deal? Is this a deal that's mm. really mm, hovering around the edges? Do you remember whenever, whenever this first was 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 announced and we didn't have the the benefit of well I say the benefit of the framework well we uh, waited a couple of days to try and get some idea and often yeah. people reacted instantaneously now we put a, a program out which gave our impression yeah. of, of what had happened and gave our views on what had happened and and saw how various other people yeah. reacted but the framework's now out mm-hmm. And there's a couple of words within the framework that seem to do an awful lot of what's described as the heavy lifting here. Yeah, like the the, the main thing for for me is the framework I referred to without having seen it originally was that this was a heads of terms. This is a letter of intent at best. It's to sort of say, you know, it doesn't get into commercial terms to a large extent. It sort of says, look, you know, we're all gonna we're all gonna go and try and do this, and we're gonna try our best and best endeavors, and you know, good faith, et cetera, et cetera. Good faith yeah. is almost like a crane yeah. in this particular agreement. It's hanging on to just about everything. Yeah, and it's it's an agreement to try and work together in good faith with all the best endeavours of all parties, uh, not to be obstructive uh, in terms of seeking OWGR, um, how they'll set about, you know, um, not being too uh, draconian on, on the discipline of, of players that, that defected, albeit that's so what the So are executions out, out <laughs> well, at never, this point? Because never say never. <laughs> and, and it all depends which yeah. side you're talking about. Yeah. <laughs> the big thing for me uh, reading this is that PIF are... are, are Come out could come out of this. I think the they best. won't. No, no, but what what I mean they is they won't that, come out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, how did you miss that one? <laughs> I'm sorry, I couldn't help myself. 
Uh, is that that's going to be at a point, right? I, I strongly suspect so, but it was far too entertaining for me not to at least give it a go. And when you didn't even get it the first time, I had to keep going. No, I, was, I, was, I thought you were going to finish I'm tempted it. to leave it in, to yeah. be perfectly honest. I thought what you were going to say is that they, they weren't going to come out. And then you were about to say, you know, on, on the good end of this. <laughs> Sorry. No, um, we're going to have to get you back in too. So, right. How do you think the PIF, or Mr. Piff, as we mm. like to call him, is going to view the point at which they've reached right now? I think from from their point of view, they've got rid of the lawsuits. Mm-hmm. So there's none of that will ever come up again. Apparently. And they've agreed, every party's agreed to this, that, you know, it's... it's uh, uh, what about the DOJ? Sorry. Or Congress? Yeah. So putting the lawsuits to one side, they're not going to be entering into... Um, you know, the, the vast legal bills and stuff like that. So both PGA Tour and PIF have offset that. There's still the whole question around monopolistic um, structure here and the DOJ um, element uh, to that and antitrust, etc. But let's say for argument's sake, this deal is so far from being in any way, shape or form done that it's it's going to take at least at least 12 months to, to get some sort of real colour around what this will look like. But let's say for argument's sake they, they progress with this and it doesn't happen. Both parties have agreed that they will return and do what, what they had done before. So PIF will, will st- sit back into live and the PGA Tour will go and do what they, they, they got to do. PGA Tour are in a bit of a, a, bit of a, a, sticky, a sticky wicket at that stage. You see, this is something that is crossing my mind a lot at the moment is that the main leverage and we're back to Phil Mickelson's classic leverage. The main leverage the the PGA had was that Mr. Piff did not want to actually bring any of the PIF dealings into court. Yeah. He didn't want the depositions. He didn't want all of that dealt with. That's all gone away. Gone. And they're off the court case chasing the PGA Tour. Yeah. So they're out of whatever Greg's led them into. Mm-hmm. It has crossed my mind, something that hadn't crossed my mind up until this point, that this was a genius play mm-hmm. by Mr. Piff to get rid of the one thing he needed rid of. Uh-huh. He's now got a free hand. And what if, what if he turns around and says, yep, you're right, we're probably not going to get this to work. Yeah. So what happens if he turns around and says, so what we're doing next year is we've got 14 live events and each live event has a $50 million prize fund. Wait, that, this is the actually in my notes is the other point that I've made is that- I have not seen you, Michael's notes. No, but the, the dissension in the ranks, um, the way in which the PGA Tour have handled this, um, a player-led organisation allegedly whereby uh, Jay Monaghan and the guys at the top could seemingly um, deal with the PIF unilaterally without engaging with the members. So dissension in the ranks. And let's say for argument's sake, nothing happens or this this falls away. And then the moratorium that was agreed as part of this this framework that PIF wouldn't solicit any other PGA Tour uh, players until, you know, the earliest of 20, or 2024 um, or, or whenever this deal sort of, sorry, uh, falls away or it doesn't happen. Like to me, if, if I'm a PGA Tour player, I'm going, do you know what? I'm going to look after number one. I think there's more likelihood of that yeah. happening now than there was a year ago what, because question. everything has happened, which showed, no. has shown some players that, hey, I'm not necessarily going to be protected here by my own organisation. 
I think I was listening to the No Laying Up guys, mm -hmm. and like ourselves, they've spent a lot of time, and they've got even better sources than we do. Yeah. And what they they were saying is, you know, players are overvalued. Big time. They're just overvalued. Yeah. They're starting to look at themselves as being the, worth these astronomical sums of money. Mm -hmm. And, you know, somebody was saying that, um, you know, Taylor Gooch has won $12 million just in prize money with his three wins. Mm -hmm. And people forget how much money $12 million is yeah. for winning three golf tournaments. Yeah. And, you know, what if, you know, the way this plays out, that the deal does go ahead and the PGA Tour turn around and Mr. Piff says, I am now your lead sponsor and there is a tournament in Saudi Arabia, but your key players are to turn up. Does Rory now have to go mm -hmm. to Saudi Arabia? Does JT, does Jordan Spieth, do the ones, does Scotty Scheffler, the ones that yeah. have stood up and stood tall or do they still get, and where in all of this is the independent contractors thing? Yeah. Because if they're then contracted are they not doing, because the other players said we're entitled to go because we're independent contractors, yeah. which surely that argument in reverse is, hang on, I'm entitled not to yeah. go. I can choose. But then as they say, well, what if they suddenly turn around and say, well, look, the tournament in uh, Jeddah or the King Abdullah Economic mm -hmm. City, is, as the boys at NLU yeah. keep referring to it, is worth $100 million. Yeah. There'll be players who go. Absolutely. But l look at it in the context of Formula One and Lewis Hamilton. Lewis Hamilton goes to Saudi Arabia and they have the the, the, the Formula One race there. He wears a, a pride flag on his helmet and he speaks openly about that, you know, he doesn't think it should be there. He calls them out in terms of, you know, their, their uh, human rights uh, abuses and all this here sort of stuff. So he has to go there to get points for... He has to. Yeah, yeah. So and his, his contract to. is we go where the races yeah. are and, you know, we're, we can't step yeah. off. But he openly challenges it. Yeah, and that's great. Yeah. And, and I admire that. But tell me how the golfers are going to deal with this. Well, as you, as you rightly say, I think anybody who's a member of Live will go. Um, if there's a decent purse, which I would imagine they will up it. Um, to try and draw in everybody else, you know, underwrite uh, travel costs, probably put on some sort of an executive jet to, to mitigate all of that, pay a minimum purse, et cetera, et cetera, to make it as appealing and as, and as uh, a big well, they'll inducement. They'll fill the field. Yes, they will fill the field, no doubt. But does that include... Rory and and some of the some of the other main um, antagonists. I don't know. I don't know. Do you know what they may they may say it's for the for the greater good, and we're just going to have to. How the far bullet. away are we from Andy Gardner reappearing with his venture capital funded yeah. new 12, 12 event series that'll be seventy two yeah. holes, plus then a, a team playoff at the end of the year, and. We're, we're prepared to go through the process of getting OWGR points and you can probably play in the majors because we're set it up in a way that it actually meets the criteria. I think... How far away are we from that? Well, do you know, th this is the thing, is that I think it's I think that's the reserve shoot. I think the thing here is is that now we're talking about, in, in the framework, what is it, data-driven evaluation of live and its prospects and potential. Yeah, somewhere in my notes I wrote that down as well. Yeah. And I, I went... Yeah, I think the big question on that is, what the heck does that actually mean? So what they're basically saying there is, is that we have to understand the viability of it from the perspective of, 
you know, what what have been the viewing figures? What does the PNL look like? So they're looking at this from a from a business uh, decision point of view now because they have to value Nuco, which means they have to put equity in relative to to the the, the data driven evaluation of Live plus the plus the other um, sorry plus the other valuation. So this is a business now. So what in what way does that in any way, shape, or form differ to you going to a third party private equity guys and saying, we're going to do a similar structure. We're going to put all of this in in the new co-excluding live. As part of that, we're going to bring Andy Gardner in who's going to do the PGL, which is going to be a team-based event. This is the type of monetized um, uh, that we've got monetization that we've got with existing. Here's the potential that could do with the PGL. Do you want to invest in this um, similar type of structure? It's no different, really, is it? Albeit no, that, but this is the point. Yeah. I, I actually think this right now is actually, and I again, part of me wishes that they had played out the court cases. Yeah, because I think there was a lot to be gained and potentially a lot to be lost and I understand why they didn't but I think had they played it out you would have seen whether or not there was an antitrust violation you would have seen whether the uh, the live concept was viable business wise Mm -hmm. which in our view it isn't because we look at businesses we value businesses and you go zero revenue three quarters of a billion expenditure in year one yeah. Two billion in total year. Two billion. Yeah. <laughs> and and no sign of how you make it profitable. Yeah. Yeah, no, not for us. But I do think, you know, there are a whole range of things that are going to keep coming out of it. And uh, you, you've had a read at the uh, the framework. Yeah. I've had a read at the elements of the framework. Um, the other thing that came up in the last couple of weeks uh, was that Tiger Woods has gone on to Twitter yeah. to say, I did not receive a document with talking points from the PGA, but some documents have turned up from the court case in Florida, Mm -hmm. which have basically said, here is what the PGA wrote for Tiger to say had he turned out to a particular meeting, which he wasn't at. And this is what he was going to say, including almost they'd written a couple of gags for him. And Tiger said, I never saw that. You know, I've never been sent that, but it was basically Tiger coming along to support the PGA tour. Yeah. I keep coming back to, and I like posing these questions because mm-hmm. they're what they're, they're the demons that come to me in the middle of the night, Mike. Yeah. When I get when I don't sleep and I start thinking about things, is how long before Tiger is the PGA Tour commissioner? Well, on on the basis that that Jay is still in abstention, um, I don't appreciate that's for uh, a health reason, and we and we do wish him well. Yeah, but don't forget, at the end of the day, you're going to have to survive a vote somewhere. Yeah. And the other two individuals who who are there who are, who are sort of deputising that that role at the moment in in, in the day to day, I've never heard of them. I, I don't know them. I, it needs to be a figurehead. Tiger would be a very very good shout. You need somebody. You're going to need somebody strong. Let's say for argument's sake, Nuco does come off and this all gets through, and DOJ don't oppose it, et cetera, yep. et cetera. Um, you're going to have to have somebody there who has the legacy of golf at the forefront who wants to see the growth of the game, uh, particularly on the basis of, you know, uh, Tiger's ethnicity and the challenges that he had in golf whenever he was coming through and being the custodian yep. um, of that. It's going to be hard not to, to see somebody like him, um, you know, who would be, who would be suitable for that role. You see, I think that's a real possibility yeah. that the players might well turn around because again, you know, the lower echelons of the tour, who are all fantastic quality players, but just 
they're just not that one step further towards elite. Yeah. They're getting, I think they're getting turned over here. Yeah, big time. And everybody keeps saying, don't worry, there'll be a pile of money, pile of money, pile of money. So you vote it all through and then you suddenly find, yeah, there are piles of money, just none for me. Yeah. I'm, and the line that's been used a few times is, well, just play better. You know, no. You see, I'm still thinking Corn Ferry Tour. I'm still thinking DP World Tour. I'm still thinking Sunshine Tour. I'm still thinking, you know, if you wanted to grow the game and somebody else, it was Nick Faldo who was on recently before the um, uh, British Masters there. Mm -hmm. He was saying, if you really truly wanted to grow the game, well, just sponsor a, th- a three uh, or four week swing series in Australia, sponsor four weeks in South Africa, sponsor, you know, move your golf around the world. If you really want to grow the game, yeah. if you really want to, to do these things, there are ways to do it. Basically destroying the established structure. Yeah. Isn't it? I still think that this deal is so far off being done. And what is also interesting is that uh, Congress has asked various people to actually turn up yeah. and uh, speak. Uh, Jay Monhan's not available. Yeah, Greg Norman and Yazir Al-Rumainen have got uh, scheduling conflicts. Mm-hmm. And the two people that are turning up is uh, Jimmy Dunn and the COO, whose name escapes me at this moment in time. But he is uh, he is turning up um, supposedly to talk for the uh, PGA Tour. Right, okay. You know, as we move into and move around the pond that is this deal, it gets muddier with every step. Yeah. No, uh, uh, absolutely. It's um, so, so you've got uh, Chief Operating uh, Ron Price and Executive Vice President Tyler Dennis. Okay, and then you've got Jimmy Dunn, who's the architect of yeah. the deal. Yeah. Who's pretty feisty, by the way. I think yeah. he'll go into Congress and give them a bit of a... Going and then suddenly, I think he'll annoy somebody. I actually think he he's good to be there in terms of like you know the robustness of of his personality and and you know his his, uh, his business background and this, and stuff like that. But yeah, he might he might come across as being a bit too bolchy, um, particularly. And yet again, who's not there answering any questions when the media and the full glare of publicity is on the thing, Mister Piff? Yeah. Mr. Piff's off again. Now, somebody pointed out, I think it was the uh, No Line Up Boys again, they pointed out the number of things he's actually involved with. How does he have time to even deal with golf when considering everything? He's the governor of the Public Investment Fund. He's the chairman of Aramco. Yeah. He is the chairman of Newcastle United Football yeah. Club. He is the, you know, there's there's this range. He sits on a range of boards governing the, the businesses they've invested in. Yeah. I mean, again, I... It, which which kind of which kind of could work well on the basis that he maybe wouldn't be so hands on, yeah. but there and yet in the background and one of my other little notes uh, states that Greg Norman's in the background still telling everybody at Live, don't worry, business, <laughs> business as usual. usual, we're going forward. And actually, I come back to my point. I do wonder is that the very clever play that they you know that Yazir Al Rumain knew the deal would fall apart. Mm-hmm. But what he's got, he's got all the court cases, the difficulty off, yeah. but he's still left the PGA Tour answering to Congress on antitrust and various other things, and he's in the clear. Yeah, I, I, like I think he's covered off his downside well. Yeah. He's like, let's say for argument's sake this doesn't work, I've got rid of all all of the, the disclosure and, and the legal stuff. And look, do you know what? We'll make a call on it uh, at the end of it. If we don't want to be part, if we don't want to be in golf because we can't see scale on live, then we just chop it off at the knees and... 
we're out of it? Probably the wrong yes. phase, Michael. Yes. But, um, anyway, we will move. We will move past that because uh, you know we don't have enough information to really give the listeners more than our opinion, having researched and read up on a lot of this stuff. Anyway, the women's U.S. Open is at Pebble Beach this week. Yes. I personally think that is fantastic. Yeah. I think we have the, the ladies playing Pebble Beach. For the first time in a long time, we can very much judge a women's major against how we watched a men's major. Yeah. We haven't seen this played on the same course until I think uh, the it was Pinehurst number two. Yeah, Keimer won. Keimer won, and then Michelle Wee won her only major the following week. Same course, so you were fully up to speed. Yes, the ladies were further forward, but they're still playing all the same conditions yeah. around the greens, on the greens. You know, the the same hazards are in play. Yeah. I think the Pebble Beach, this is a great idea. And I think more and more often that this is what should be happening, that the ladies' game should very much be on courses that the men have played so that we can actually judge the ladies. Yeah. And we did some stats last year when we, right. we, and we said from 150, 125, 100 yards, one or two of the ladies' statistics were Incredible. Eclipsing, yeah. eclipsing the male yeah, you know counterparts. I always re- I remember that that was was not twenty fourteen U.S. Open that the the camera won at Pinehurst. I think it was twenty fourteen. But the 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 reason why I remember it was obviously because whenever the the guys were going into um, the final round, um, the uh, LPGA Tour players had started to arrive from from the Saturday, so they started to share the the facilities and in terms of you know the the, the putting greens and practice areas and stuff. And what they said, both sets of players said it was just there was a real there was a really good vibe uh, going on because as, as the the as the men's tour was finishing, the ladies was going on and this momentum was carried on, um, and there was a real strong position from both tours to say, look, we need to do this more often. But that's the this is this is the first time that this has really happened, hasn't it? After I can't think of anything I can't else. I can't remember yeah. it happening elsewhere, and it's taken till twenty twenty three for this to roll round again, yeah. but. To me, it's a no-brainer. Big time. I, I mean, it's a bit like I still don't understand why Augusta National haven't gone out yeah. and done a ladies' event. Yeah. Because they're now taking the ladies' amateur. That's right. Finishes at Augusta. Mm-hmm. But, you know, again, some of the the female pros should actually be playing and, and again on similar conditions so we can judge because they're short games. Are, can be quite remarkable at times. Yeah. They can't generate the spin is always one of the arguments from further out. But if you have the tees appropriately set, yeah. they're playing all the same challenges around the greens that the men are. I think this is a really good thing. And I'm I'm really, in fact, I'm making the uh, Women's US Open my viewing yeah. for this coming weekend. That will be where I actually put my time same. Uh, uh, this week. The other thing is, obviously, we're only a couple of weeks away now from Hoylake. Mm-hmm. It's always nice to throw a few things out there that sort of get our listeners thinking about the Open at Hoylake. So here's a couple of just little extra bits of information. Hoylake, or Royal Liverpool, is staging the championship for the 13th time. Mm-hmm. Uh, Rory McIlroy won the Claret Jug the last time it was here in 2014, and he failed to defend his title because... He hurt his ankle in a football accident. He was. Uh, he had a. He couldn't defend his title due to a five-a-side injury. That's right. He uh, that. was playing football with a few mates and injured his ankle. You are correct, Michael. Yeah. A point to Michael. Yeah. <laughs> 
two of the three amateurs who have won the Open were Hoy Lake members. Oh. And that was John Ball and Harold Hilton. I think it was before yours in my yes. time. I didn't really know it. But the only other amateur winner of the Open was Bobby Jones, uh. who won his third Open at Hoylake, an event that was the second of four steps in his unmatched Grand Slam. There we go. A couple of other little interesting points, and you being the Anorak you are, points are up for grabs on the following questions. Okay. Uh, the 1947 winner was the first Irish winner of the Open, and it was at Hoylake. Who was it? Oh, it was... Oh, this is going to really annoy me, because it is his name, and... Oh, give me the initials. FD. Fred Daly. There you go. Oh. Okay, 1956, the winner at Hoylake was winning his third successive Open Championship. Do you know who that was? 1956. Yeah. Um, what do you call him? No, I've got okay. was Peter Thompson. Peter Thompson. In 1967, the winner at Hoylake became the second oldest Open Champion. I'd be amazed if you get this. But he was, I think he was Argentinian. No pass. Roberto Di Vincenzo. Oh, yeah, okay. Okay. And 2006, it was an emotional victory for... 2006? Yeah. Uh, Might have just lost his father. Oh, Tiger Woods, of course. There you go. So, actually, do you know what? For any of the listeners, go on YouTube and watch the highlights of that. I remember watching that on Holidays in Spain, and it is the purest... I've ever seen a golf ball struck around a golf course that year, Tiger. 2014, we've already mentioned, yeah. was Rory. Mm -hmm. So 2023, we're not quite at our predictions phase, but we're very close. Mm -hmm. Who have you got? Apart from Rory, we're, we're both rooting yeah. for Rory. I, actually, apart from anything else, I need Rory to pick this one up, simply yeah. to make one of my predictions for the year come true. Uh, I did predict John Ram would win a major, yeah. um, you know, but I predicted also somebody would win two which means I need either uh, Brooks, uh, John Ram, mm -hmm. or with Wyndham Clark having won the US Open, yeah. it's probably likely that you're only looking at Brooks or John Ram who can double up, and Brooks was never in our thinking no. for, for this year. So I really need Rory to, to pick this up. But who have you got outside of Rory? We've mentioned Ricky. Yeah, you got Ricky and, and Brooks uh, in there. John Ram's a bit off the boil. John Ram's not on form at the moment. No. You know. Can't see Jordan Spieth doing it at the moment. JT's showing me nothing. Can't see Mickelson doing anything. Uh, DJ. Yeah. If Scheffler puts, he's right in there. Because he's, he's, you know, I say this is a pure ball striker, and I know who all these guys are, but like he, yeah, he is properly. The good news is we're a couple of weeks away and we'll be able to judge yeah. their form as they come through here. The last ditch attempts are happening today. In fact, they'll be closing in and I'll be able to check here uh, as to whether or not uh, who's getting in. But at West Lancashire, you have Sergio Garcia, Jamie Donaldson, Graham McDowell, Victor Dubuisson, Matt Wallace and Mark Leishman all competing. Plus, friend of the show, Matt McLean is attempting to qualify for the Open. When I last looked, Sergio was definitely in the frame to qualify. Mm -hmm. But he was the only one. Matt Wallace was just outside the qualifying. Who, who goes through? Or is five. It? There are five places. So I'm presuming, I'm presuming they maybe do count back. Yeah, they would do, yeah. And at the moment, the way it's set up, 
it doesn't look like uh, countback is favouring Sergio. Do, or do they do playoff? Or no, that's US Open. I know they, they, they do a playoff. At Royal Porth Call, where there are also five places up for grab. Interestingly, in the top five as we sit right now with a bit left to go, Laurie Cantor could qualify. At Royal Sink, Brandon Grace. Oh, he leads. Brandon mm. Grace could get in. Thomas Dietrich might get in. And Charles Schwartzel would get in. Royal Sink has also got five. And then at Dundonald Links, where, by the way, Michael Block and Ratchanan Chanatanawat, uh, the talented Thai teenager, uh, is attempting to get in. Also, Cabrera Bayo, Mackenzie Hughes, Aaron Rye, plus Peter Uline, Jason Kokrak, and Sebastian Munoz. They're all at Dundonald Links, and there's only four places available there. Mm. And let's have a quick look. Oh, very interestingly, none of them are in contention as we speak right now. Now, they're not quite finished, so that could change. Robert Rock is finished and in tied sixth, so there's a chance on minus two. If a couple of players fell back, he might scrape in, but uh, I'm not quite sure. But it, it looks like... Looks like it could be a tight finish, and you can check that out by the time this this drops, listeners. Anyway, it's interesting when you suddenly are watching who's trying to qualify, because somebody made the point that Eugenie Chicaro, where is it? Yeah, Eugenie Chicaro left Oklahoma State and turned pro as the world number two amateur, and he went straight to live, and he hasn't even tried to qualify for the US Open or the Open Championship. What? He hasn't attempted to which I think is a clear indication that he's taking money, and yet he's yeah. not doing, he's no. not knocking it out of the park. He, he, he came out and got, got pretty plump in the first first event that he played, and he got like four, four and a half million quid or something, or dollars. Yeah. Oh yeah, I think he's made yeah. some money, but yeah. I mean, again, it doesn't look like he's particularly motivated no. to go on and, and win big. Yeah. Okay, a couple of other things to finish up tonight's episode. I had what I called in other news... And we've covered it really. Tom Watson's letter, which we commented on in our last episode, there was supposed to then be a bit of a player rebellion that was in the background. And there's been a little bit, apparently, but there's been some media coverage that a lot of the players haven't liked, saying that there was somebody leading the player revolt. And we're not going to go there because we have no information. Mm -hmm. But I do think that actually this whole thing, and whether it gets through the, the... the Players Advisory Council and the, the board. I I just keep coming back, Mike, to thinking we're a long way off this. I yeah. just don't see this deal going through. Kevin Van Valkenburg, he posed questions. The main one being, will a majority of the PGA Tour policy board support the framework? And if Monaghan doesn't return, who would be the CEO? And we've covered that because we think there's an obvious choice. Mm-hmm. But I keep coming back to all of these things and saying there'll be a certain element where... This will all filter back down. The PGA Tour will not fundamentally change very much. No. But Liv's got a free run and nobody can basically have a go at it. And it's only if it doesn't uh, create that much interest. Greg Norman, they've turned him off. Yeah. They've put him on mute at the moment. Mm -hmm. And I think that's, I just keep coming back to, was it a very, very clever plan? Yeah. It's very hard to know. Yeah. It's it, that that's the thing is that the framework came out and you know all the, all the sort of like the, the press release in terms of like you know the joint statements that haven't 
and then the framework subsequently coming out, haven't really done anything hugely significant to 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 give any other sort of detail. It's still going to be a case of we're going to have to run this and, and see see how it goes. But it feels to me like a very, very long way away. And if you're putting probability against it, like it feels like maybe 20%, 25%. Yeah. I'm going to give a shout out to Mike Wan, the USGA yeah. uh, sort of chairman. Somebody, and I'm not even going to give credit the guy with a name, but uh, he said about the upcoming women's Saw US this. Open. The tournament's probably going to be dominated by another Asian robot lady golfer. I think I'll go fishing instead of watching. Shout out to Mike Wan who responded, neither you nor your heartless comments will be missed. Yeah, good so, man. Good man, Mike. Well done because um, I just think if you're not watching you know, the ladies golf, yeah. that's fine. Yeah. But you don't have to belittle it. it the, it's right. of the highest quality. It is. It really is. We haven't actually mentioned and we need a shout out to first time win winner Daniel Hillier who won on the DP World Tour at the Betfred British Masters. Saw a little bit of that at the end. Yeah. The Belfry still looks... It's very steel to me now. It does look... It's not really... It, there's not much, you know, but fair play, good win for him. Yeah. But um, I'm not 100% convinced that's a course that should hold too many more pro no. tournaments. Uh, Michael Block, who looks like he is definitely failing to qualify for the Open. He has been around a few places and he has actually um, tried to clarify his comments when he said, it, you know, about if he was if he drove the ball as far as Rory, he'd be every bit as good as Rory because of his wedge and putting game. Yeah. And he's come out and said, am I confident with my game? I am. Am I at the level of Rory McIlroy? I'm not even close. All I was saying was, if I had 60 less yards into every hole for the rest of my life, I'd be a hell of a lot better than I am. That's a kind of good backtrack. Yeah, it's a good rollback. But you probably you probably shouldn't have said it in yeah. the first place. I, I just think that, the, you know, very commendable in terms of how he performed at the, the USPGA and stuff. Um, I'm, I'm a wee bit sort of... We're done. Yeah. Yeah, he, listen, fair play to him. Nice guy. Write yeah. it out. Get, get your value out of it. But yeah. to be honest, yeah, it's kind yeah, of Yeah, it's petered out. Okay, last two things. Uh, I liked Butch's comment about Ricky's win, which he, he was on the radio and he said, this one meant more to me personally than a lot of the majors I've won with different guys. Brilliant. So nice to see that he's he brought Ricky back. And then... My story. Now, this is a, about 10 days old when I saw this, but I, mm -hmm. I put it in there because I couldn't not do this. And it's golf-related uh, vaguely. Okay. Okay. So tonight's on finally. <laughs> Donald Trump says he lost track of classified nuclear documents in a pile of golf shirts. Who amongst us hasn't made such a mistake? <laughs> I'm thinking to myself, not, you know... It's how so implausible. You, how can you even come out with that crap? Yeah. Oh, yeah, I, I'd forgotten I'd put them in there with my golf shirts. Yeah, the nuclear documents. Yeah. You know, yeah. Oh, don't look in the closet down there. Uh, there's the national defense plan. <laughs> you know, come on. I just think, you know, Des has a great expression when he plays golf with me. He refers to me as Bobo, oh. the clown, <laughs> yeah. and I refer to him as Coco, the clown. <laughs> And I, I think Donald would fit right in. Absolutely. You know? but, that, that's, uh, that's, that's, that's no right defense. up there. 
Mike, we have covered a few things that have been going on in the last week or 10 days. We've covered that the fact that the open qualifying is ongoing as we speak, and we'll maybe tidy that up a little later with a little uh, addendum. Yep. That's a little bit on the end, in case you weren't sure. Uh, oh, oh, thanks. <laughs> thanks. Yeah. Well, every day's a school day, as we know around here on, on In the Footsteps of I am well aware of what an addendum is. <laughs> I fully knew that. I, I just can't help myself sometimes. You know, there are people who think I'm a smartass. I don't know why, but... You are. Well, thanks. <laughs> I take it as a compliment. Yeah. Anyway, listeners, there's plenty going on in the world of golf do inform yourselves and try and follow what I would call is a little bit more of the mainstream, well-researched. There's an awful lot of stuff on Twitter that's just absolute garbage. Yeah. And, you know, there's a still a lot of vitriol about, we're trying to get to the bottom of what we think is actually happening. I'm not sure we're right yet. Yeah. I'm pretty sure I can see a pathway where, how it might turn out. But you know what? That's one of the joys of following the stories is you're never quite sure where they're going to turn out. And sometimes we'll be right. Sometimes we'll be wrong. In fact, we have a whole section in our year-end show entitled Where Martin Was Right and Where Martin Was Wrong <laughs> because um, there's plenty of both. Yep. Um, but anyway, and until we are back recording another episode, my name is Martin. My name is Mike. And uh, seriously, tune in and watch the ladies play at Pebble Beach. I do believe that will be an absolutely cracking tournament. And that is where we finished chatting earlier, but I have since been back and checked on the qualification for the Open. And it appears that at West Lancashire, Matt Wallace is the only notable from the list to actually qualify. Sergio Garcia, Graham McDowell, uh, Mark Leishman, and friend of the show, Matt McLean, didn't quite get there, although Matt McLean finished tied 14th on three under, which is a pretty decent effort. But, uh, you know, he sadly isn't going to make his third major of the season. At Dundonald Lynx, Michael Block and Ratchanan Chattanuat uh, did not manage to qualify in the four places. Neither did Cabrera Bayo. Mackenzie Hughes, Aaron Rye, or any of the other live guys. In fact, Jason Kokrak appears to have been disqualified. No idea what for. At Royal Sink Port, Brandon Grace qualified. Charles Schwartzel and Thomas Dietrich got through as part of the five uh, places available there. And finally, at Royal Porth Call, Laurie Cantor managed to get into the top five and uh, has made his way to the Open. So those are the final qualifiers. There are a few other players, obviously, who have made their way through. But it is interesting to see that a few players who were on the live circuit are now doing their best to qualify for majors because the OWGR points simply don't exist and they don't have automatic qualification. Anyway, as we said earlier, enjoy the uh, women's US Open this week from Pebble Beach. We're pretty sure it's going to be a cracking watch. If you've enjoyed this episode of In the Footsteps of Giants, please hit the subscribe button from wherever you get your podcasts. Also, if you'd like to leave us a good review, that would be most helpful as well. And... If you'd like to interact with the podcast, please use our Twitter feed, which is at itfog 
under slash podcast and we'll happily deal with any queries or suggestions that you might uh, like to give us for future episodes. <laughs>